This morning when I was practicing this, we all got to have fun, right? I'm sure when Tom said, yeah, let's do the Rocky theme, he didn't think I'd actually live through and be Rocky. But when I was trying this stuff on this morning, Summit said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting ready. I'm going to wear this whenever I share the message. You think they'll take me seriously? No. <laughs> We're talking about wisdom today. I have a wise five-year-old. Oh, hello, friends. Thanks for enticing me, letting me have fun. <laughs> we are talking about health. We're in our second week of health assessment. And uh, we're digging into the book of Proverbs. We're digging into what good health looks like from God's perspective. And so I wanted to spend just a little bit of time talking about Proverbs. So Proverbs is wisdom literature. And it is one of four books in the Bible that is wisdom literature. I want us to take a guess what the other three are. So we've got Proverbs. Anybody want to take a guess about another one? No. I know. Good guess, though. I like it. Ecclesiastes. If you're reading the Bible plan with me, we're in one of the books right now. Job and Song of Solomon. So those are your four books on wisdom in the Bible. Not that the whole Bible isn't a book on wisdom, but what's considered wisdom literature are these four books. And there is a common denominator in these four books. Yes, they are all given to us to help us discern and to be guided on what wisdom looks like from God's perspective, but they're actually all written in poetry. Now, by a show of hands, who loves to read some poetry? Yeah. Look around. Not many. Notice my hand went down. I'm not much of a poetry reader myself. But why would God give us wisdom literature in the form of poetry? I wonder why he would do that. Well, Francis Bacon says, some books are made to be tasted. Others are made to be swallowed. Some few to be chewed and digested. Chewed and digested. I believe that Proverbs is a book to be chewed and digested. That's what poetry is, right? You can't read poetry one time and know everything about it. And it's the same way with Scripture. Have you ever read a part of Scripture one day and then you go back a week later or two weeks later or even a year and then you read it and something else pops out and something new? It's because the Word is living, right? And we are living. We change and God has prepared our hearts to reveal something new to us that we can learn about. And that's what this wisdom is. You see, wisdom, biblically, is portrayed as someone who does and says everything in a way that their lives point to God and to his intentions in the world. But we know the world is broken, right? We know the world is broken. But God has not left this world to fend for itself. God loves the people in this world. He loves his creation, and he has come to redeem it. He has come to love it, to offer grace and forgiveness. And wisdom is portrayed in that way, in God's way. And when we are in Proverbs, we're in Proverbs because wisdom isn't easy to come by. Poetry isn't easy to read. It's meant to engage our minds 
to help us ponder, to wonder, to be curious. And I want to say, just because we get older doesn't mean we are wiser. I'm, I'm kind of speaking of that. I turned 40 last month. You can tell. I'm working on the wisdom thing. It's okay. Because it, it, what I mean by that is, is, sure, you get older and you have more life experience, and we can have areas of expertise that we know a lot about. We can have a lot of knowledge about something, but that doesn't mean we're wise. You can also be baptized at age 13, but at age 70, still be an immature Christian. But on the flip side of that, you can be baptized at age 13, but be a very mature Christian at age 20. How does that happen? Well, wisdom, what makes us wise is how deeply we have sought out God and learned his ways. And not just information. We can know a lot of things. But it's how we've allowed that information to transform our hearts, to change our hearts. Yes, I said the dirty word, to change. To allow God to use his words to help us grow and help us see the things that we need to let go of and the things that we need to take hold of. And that takes time. It takes effort. It takes vulnerability. It takes surrender. It takes being able to accept change, not to fight it. Even though we dislike things or we dislike change, but to be open to it. Seeking God's ways, not our ways. You see, our ways, not wise. God's ways, wise. God's wisdom, given to us in his word, is meant to engage us, to, to ignite, wake up our imagination, to seek God's knowledge, his ways, to sit with him, to know him more deeply and to grow closer to him in relationship. There's only two paths in the world. Jesus said the narrow and the wide, right? The gate. There's the right path and there's the wrong path. Which path are we on with our hearts and our minds? That's what we're talking about today. Taking an assessment of our minds and our health. That's why I had to take my sweatband off. It was cutting off the circulation to my brain. So what's driving us? Well, let's take a look at what Proverbs tells us should be driving us. Let's hear the word from chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. My child, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, flow the springs of life. Put away from, your, from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Keep straight the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Oh, thank God for his word today. We pray it penetrates our hearts in a new and fresh way. So I'm sure, now everybody in the 830 remembered this picture. 
I am telling a big one. They did not. I used this picture two years ago. I know, I'm a hard tester. In our discipleship series, when we were uh, setting off on a new discipleship discovery program called ACT, because here at St. John, to be a disciple is to act, to abide in Christ, change like Christ, and take action for Christ. If you're still interested in taking that class, I'd love to have you. We have it on Thursday nights. It would be great for you to join. But I created this little simple guy here to talk about the circle. You see the circle that's sort of around this little feller. And, and the point of that circle is because we each have a circle of influence, whether it's our family or our friends or strangers or people we talk about to online or interact with online. We each have a circle of influence, and how we act, how we speak, what we do can influence them. It can determine, are we reflecting who God is through what we do, or is it not? Are we influencing them in a positive way that's helping them see God, or are we not? And you'll see in the center of the circle is the heart and that there's this radiating action kind of happening from the heart. Now, why is that, you ask? I'm so glad you ask. Because our heart determines what our minds are doing, what direction our minds are going, and determines where our body is going, what our actions are. And Proverbs 4 tells us about this. It, I want you guys to look at these verses, and I want you to shout out, all the parts, the body parts you see the sage telling us about. Just shout them out when you see a body part. Ear, heart, sight, flesh, speech, right, our mouths. What else? What about on this, this section? Eyes, feet. What the sage is telling us here is that every single part that God has created within our being can be used for the righteousness and the faithfulness of God. Or it can be used for the wrong ways. And I want us to try to separate this image of the heart that we have as the organ that beats all the blood through our bodies. I want us to try to separate that because this is much different biblically. When God talks about the heart, the heart biblically is the seat of all knowledge. The seat of all knowledge. All that we hold to believe and know is held in our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul tells the church, For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul reiterates what the sage said in Proverbs 4.23, the heart is the well spring of life. From it flows all life. Because we're talking about the heart and mind today, and it's an assessment, I mean, what do you do when you go to the doctor? They ask you some questions, right? And you answer them. So I'm going to give us some questions based on this scripture that's going to help us determine our heart health in light of this scripture and in light of what we know and understand about God. 
So the first one is, am I taking the time to listen to God? Am I taking the time? Am I being still? Psalm 46.10 is a beautiful verse if you're struggling with this. To just say, be still and know that I am God. And then just listen. Take the time to hear him. And then the second question is, well, do I hear him? This is something a lot of people struggle with that I've talked to. I just don't hear the voice of God. What do you mean? What's he sound like? If you struggle with that, I would love to talk with you. I don't want anyone to go through life not having heard the voice of God. I know Tom would love to talk with you about that. Sometimes people may look at you like you're crazy. I heard God say that. What? God? The God of the universe that created everything and it speaks to you? Oh, what an opportunity that is to talk about and point to Jesus and how, yes, and he'll talk to you too. What a beautiful opportunity that would be to share the gospel. And then can I look, am I reading the Bible every day and praying? You'll notice that I put praying on line three because we often think of praying as just talking but it's a two-way conversation. That's why I have two questions about listening and hearing, because we do a lot more talking than we do hearing. That's, you heard that saying like we have two ears, but only one mouth. We should be doing double the listening. The same goes with God. Absolutely, are we talking to God? Are we spending time in scripture every day? If, if you're not, I would love to invite you to do that with me and 20-ish other people in the Bible app. We're having a great time digging into God's Word. We're in Job right now. It's a little heavy. But man, we're learning some good nuggets about God. He's deepening our knowledge of His love. Can I look back on the past year and see change in myself? Am I less angry? Am I less road ragey on 264? That person that really gets on my nerves. Is it a little less irritating because I've let go of that stuff? Do I have more forgiveness in my heart or am I holding a grudge? Am I being patient with others, with myself, with my kids, with my spouse? We always need to take this assessment of how we are growing and changing. How are my words? And this is such an important one. We were just talking about this in in our Sunday school class. It's so important how we use our words and care for the things that we say. I remember way back in high school, my pastor at the time, I can't remember what he was preaching on, but I remember something he said. You are the master of what you don't say, the servant of what you do say. You're the master of what you don't say. Are you putting that filter on? Are you being a servant to the words that you're using and hurting other people and then living in that guilt, in that pain, in that harder relationship now that you've said something that your heart really shouldn't have let go? And then lastly, how am I spending my time? How am I spending my time? And this will answer so many things because what we spend our time on is exactly what is shaping our heart and shaping our minds. 
Now, I know I've given you assessment. I'm also going to give you a challenge. I'm in Rocky garb. Come on. I've got to raise the bar. I want everybody to keep a time journal for one day through the week and on the weekend. I want you to write down what you're doing. How much time are you spending watching TV and what are you watching? What are you listening to when you're in your car? Are you talking to other people? When are you talking to them? Maybe even not down what you're talking about. Are you on your phone? And if you are, what are you doing? You know, if you have an iPhone, that thing will tell you how much screen time you're getting. It will give you an average. And it'll tell you whether you're up or whether you're down for the week. I feel like mine just keeps creeping up. And it'll also break it into categories. Are you spending a lot of time being productive? Or are you spending a lot of time in leisure or on social media or on games? We have to take the time to figure out what we're using our time for. Time will tell, they say, right? I think it's important to understand what's shaping us. In order to do that, we've got to be aware because sometimes we just do things and then we go through the day and we're like, I don't even know what I did today. I feel like that a lot. So I just feel like I'm paddling, keeping my head afloat. And I want to talk about obedience just a little bit because I think obedience is so important when it comes to our minds and our hearts and our time. Yesterday, I was uh, at Upward and I was sharing a devotional about obedience. And I asked, I just loved this first response. It was just, it was like I, I went and paid the kid $5 to say this answer. I said, hey, why do we have rules in basketball? The kid goes, because it makes it fun. What? I was totally shocked that they said that, that this kid, good job parents and good job coaches. It makes it fun. Rules, we need rules. God knows we do. We need them. I don't like them. I love breaking rules. But I know that I thrive when I have structure, when I have boundaries. And God knows that we do too. And we have to remember this thing about obedience is that one act, one act of disobedience is what got us into this mess to begin with. So I forget Adam and Eve. One act of disobedience. So just think about what multiple acts of obedience will do for our hearts and for our relationship with God. In Romans 6.16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. What are we obeying today? Are we obeying God and His ways? Are we still trying to live the way I want, my ways? My way or the highway? Which, which, what are we obeying? And, and though the Proverbs can seem very complicated and mundane, didn't we just read that two chapters ago, probably? Repetition is an important thing for our brains. It seems complicated. Yes, it's written in poetry, and we can get into Jesus' parables, and that can seem really complicated. But I think what that shows about us is that we, humanity, like to make things harder. These things are really actually very simple. Like my little feller here. 
simple, but profound. Where we spend our time determines the status of our hearts, which then leads to the status of our minds and our thoughts, which then leads to our words and our actions. It all stems from here in the condition of our body and mind and thoughts all comes from the condition of the heart. When we spend time on God, our hearts are going to change. They have to change. We have to change. We have to. Jesus didn't come here and die and be resurrected so that we could continue doing the same thing over and over again with the same outcome. We have to do things differently and be different because Jesus came to show us different. And we have to keep it simple. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the KISS principle. I'll say, keep it simple, saint. Keep it simple, saint. Be kind, right? Do this assessment. It's in the app. Do it. Do it every quarter. Do it every once in a while. Do it once a year. But stay in tune with your heart. Stay in tune with where you are. Stay in tune with where you're spending your time. Don't get stuck in your ways. Don't get stuck in your thoughts. Allow God to come in and help you grow into being more and more like Christ. Are we loving more? Are we being more kind? Are we being more patient? Are we being more open to new experiences and new things? Are we leaning in on the difficult people that we don't agree with? Are we being gentle with ourselves when we mess up, when we make a mistake? Are we being critical? This isn't an assessment to be critical of yourself on if you don't think you're doing what you need to do. It's an opportunity to be curious. And then allow God to show you where he wants you to be. Proverbs was given to us to show us how to live the way God wants us to live. And a lot of it, most of it is common sense. Let's incline our hearts. Let's turn our hearts to God so that he can cleanse them of the darkness that is there. And he can fill us with light. Light that will shine towards him, reflect his goodness and his love. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love, for your Holy Spirit that you have given to us as an advocate, as someone who walks with us every step of the way in this life, when it gets hard, when it's easy, when it's joyful, when it's fun, when it's sad or full of grief. God, we thank you that you love us so deeply, that you allow us a way of intimate relationship with you, personal friendship with you. You have called us to be your disciples, that you have equipped us to go out and be your people in a world that desperately needs to hear you. May you challenge us in our hearts. May we take this word from you and allow it to saturate us so that all that we do, all that we say, all that we think, brings you glory and honor. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.